This is The Dosha Life, a podcast for wellness seekers and happiness curators interested in tools, tips, and remedies coming from the wisdom of yoga and Ayurveda. I am Kelly Marie Mills from Yoga Ayurveda Living. Welcome to my happy place. This is Series 7. It's Episode 9, but actually you're spieling with Kelly today, so I'm not sure if I ever called those episodes, but I'm shooting the breeze today, but it's only one way. If you are interested in coming on the podcast to chat about your own health and wellness, let me know. But today it's a short visit into my recovery from COVID and seeking sattva. So I felt like I was one of the few who had not got COVID yet until I got COVID. And then when I got the COVID, uh, I found that I was just mainly, it was mainly the fatigue I was working with. But as a way of you understanding what can happen Ayurvedically through disease processes, I just want to reverse a bit so that you can understand the full picture that I'm coming from. I'm going to talk about kapha. And kapha has a few attributes. And the first ones are the most important ones. And then the other ones are less important, but the first three are kind of vital for a description of what kapha is. Kapha is oily, cold, heavy, dull, sticky, fixed or stuck like inertia, and damp. And so it's very like phlegm, and it is related to phlegm. It is that sticky unctuousness that holds things together. And of course, its main life attribute, its main energy is cohesion. When we repeat these gunas over and over, everything gets stickier, everything gets more congested. So knowing the attributes of kapha will help. My health is excellent. But my move to Galway brought me only one problem, and that really was the kaphagenic atmosphere here, because it's very damp, right next to the ocean, rains a whole lot. Combine that with a chronic kapha imbalance, which means it's a karmic kapha problem. And then also combining it with, if you're lucky enough to understand the patterns of the moon, combining it with the full moon activity. And the full moon is related to the gravitational pull of earth while it causes a gravitational pull of the waters of the earth. She is the cause of the tides on the earth and in the world. She is the cause of the ebb and flow of fluid life. And so, of course, Ayurvedically and in holistic medicines, it's very related to our own water in our body. And so when every time the full moon would come, I would get a headache since I moved here. And the congestion would, like the waters of the earth, rise. Imagine a lot of congestion and then you add water to your daily routine, of course, where I'll drink water, and you probably will get some more congestion, especially during the kapha times of day. And then you add a lot of rain outside and a, or a lot of dampness. And sometimes it can be okay to have this, and there's plenty of remedies and things to alleviate the congestion, the dampness, and a lot of them work quite quickly. And of course, none are as amazingly nice as flying to a hot climate and laying on a sandy beach, but that's not going to happen. (laughs) Not right now. But anyhow, then every month the full moon pulls 
on your side of the world, heightening your water's element. And the water element only exists in the medium of earth, which is our skin. Without water, this medium of earth is dry and very blah, and it is not supportive. So we need the water and earth blended for it to actually support the body. So the moon pulls the waters of the world to its very edges, its highest edges as possible, depending on how high the water is. So obviously in winter, the water is higher and in summer, the water is lower, but it does pull it to the highest point it can at a certain point of time. And so it does for our kapha. It pulls our kapha to its nearest exit, our throat, head, sinuses, and it awaits with due diligence for it to be set free if possible or else it just relaxes back down and transforms into the stomach. It can be very uncomfortable, and most of us know what head colds feel like, and it can feel like that. But if you have chronic sinus problems or get chronic headaches from kapha problems, you know all about it. And then COVID comes in, and you notice all these other changes, which can be very kaphogenic. What I know and what I've been saying since COVID first came around was, if you have any underlying issues, these will this virus will actually more than likely enhance the imbalance that you have already. And of course it, it and of course it did for me. What it did was it just as I said to all my friends, it was like, you know, it's just as well I like sleeping because it's all I could do for six days. And that's a very kaffa like response to an imbalance is to need to sleep. And then what happened towards the end, you know, I wasn't very sick, but I was just very tired. And towards the end of it, when I started to feel better, I didn't realize that COVID or the COVID was still lurking inside me until a few days later when basically I just had to take three more days off. And yeah, you guessed it. Self-employment just keeps on giving. So in those three days where I had to take it off recently, I did inventory of things that I wanted to become aware of. But sattva is really what I want to bring into my life. Sattva is harmony, and actually it's more than harmony. It's like the best of all things in any moment in time. It offers clarity. It is our help and our inner support to find a way to work with something when the way right now seems unworkable. It is actually the attribute of prana. It is that energy of prana of the life force itself. So prana is of this and sattva is of prana. So they're, they're not very different. Sattva is the, the moment of inspiration before action. Sattva is the light that ahimsa was born under. So ahimsa is the attitude of non-harming, the attitude of non-violence, and it's used in yoga practices, but also in Ayurveda. But it was most made known worldwide because of Gandhi, because he showed the world the power of nonviolence is stronger than the power of force. With sattva and ahimsa sort of lounging around in my mind for about 10 days when I was feeling all the COVID uncomfortable feelings of imbalance and then the inner frustration of not actually being able to even function properly, I decided to look at things again. Because sitting around the house with a dog who also was just healing from a back incident, I was going a little bit stir-crazy. So I decided to look and inquire. And I'm sorry if you feel like I'm rambling. I probably am rambling a bit because my brain hasn't actually been fully functioning until the last two days. But I wanted to look at how I wake up 
and look at the overall attitude that I awake with. How do I eat? And do I allow each bite to be the best moment of nourishment for me? To have that inner sense of ahimsa as I eat, that I chew as much as possible, to allow my body to be nourished as much as possible? Or do I allow my personality mind to override my whole sense of what is best for me? Especially when it comes to food and drink and all the nourishment that I take in very fast. Am I drinking what I need or for what I am told? What I know is that I probably don't drink enough. So it's another way of bringing in ahimsa is to be very aware of me drinking the correct amount. And then one of the biggest things I discovered was when I am with others, Can I practice presence in its fullest sense? Do I practice presence in its fullest sense? And when I put it directly to myself, the answer is no. I I always want to jump in and, and interrupt and be engaged in the conversation. And what I do want to really come to is that point where I can let them express themselves fully without me falling deep into their thoughts and echoing their emotions too, or counteracting their emotions. If I could sit and allow them to express themselves fully, being with and in the conversation, but sitting outside of the emotional response, in this way helping me to remain true to myself, giving myself time to make my own conclusions, and Depending on the relationship, perhaps it is a work relationship, perhaps it is an activity in work or with family or friend, but to also not be swayed from my own agency when someone doubts or dismisses what I say. And they may not even know they do this, but they might do it just with a look or through other actions. And I know when I fall into someone else's belief system, when I believe their dismissive action, their dismissive thought, I lose my own. I lose my own belief system of trust in myself. I give away my own strength. They may not even know this is happening. But when I was thinking about it, I realized that that's actually what was happening for me. What I realize I do now is I try and bring everything back to me because It is my reactions to other people that actually formulate my mind. People can say lots of stuff to us, but it is what we think and what we express that actually formulate ourselves. I know that I can always change my mind too. Perhaps at first I want to make a point or argue a point with them. Give them another consideration. But I also know that I can change my mind too. I like almond milk today, but I may not like it tomorrow, or I may not like a certain brand. I actually prefer rice milk. Although I've been told lately that it's just too watery and just no fun. But I still like rice milk. It's quite sweet, actually. It's really nice. You guys should try it. I haven't tried to foam it yet. I have to say, I did get coconut milk the other day, and it foams amazing. It is so yummy. 
in coffee and I'm still reduced on my coffee, which I am just so happy about. <laughs> How did I get there? Okay, so, so going back to being able to change our own mind, but also to not feel that another's voice is more correct than my own. Do you ever get that sensation like, oh my God, they're actually right. Yeah, they know what they're talking about more than I do. Or they know so much more than I do. Oh my gosh, I could never, I could never. And I do get a little bit of that reflection as a yoga teacher. You know, you, you can do that pose better than me. Well, you know, you've only been doing yoga for like three months and I've been doing it for 25 years. Hopefully I would be able to do that a little bit with ease. And then you'll always find there's yoga teachers that are quite stiff and they often become great teachers because they understand stiffness. Whereas for me as a yoga teacher, I was always a bit of a bendy wendy when I was quite young because of the kapha in me. And that that kind of stopped me from really understanding muscular stiffness until when I was about 50. To really look after ourselves when we give away our own beauty to it's not to say that we can't admire others and to admire like for me it would be you know say perhaps admiring someone's style um especially fluid style because I don't really practice um fluid yoga as much because I do so much more Ayurvedic yoga uh fluid yoga is really much more for a kapha type and it's really vatas and pittas have a different practice to use but it's to really admire and enjoy the variation that each of us brings. And it's hard to do. I think that there's a stage, and perhaps that's why I'm talking about it now. Maybe I'm at that stage. You know, I've, I'm reaching that age of um, that I never really thought I would almost be 60. I, I never really thought about that. And, and now, now I am a year to 60, and it's, it's kind of wild. It's like I always remember my mother, <laughs> my mother turning 60 <laughs> <laughs> that was not a happy day. She cried and cried like five days before. So, um, and she was so beautiful. She was such a, a kooky gal. Uh, coming back then to this, this practice of ahimsa and sattva, you know, cultivating sattva, finding sattva in our life, finding the inspirational point where silence comes, to be reminded that there is no soul above mine, and there is no soul less than mine. That in this life, we all have this opportunity to meet in the middle, and this becomes interactive healing. It might be conscious, but it could be unconscious awareness. But if it is in full loving awareness, the healing happens uh, cohesively, un united, if if a group are working in mindfulness meditation or a group are working in a yoga practice and they end with a sattvic practice of meditation of sorts, that group then also receive the energy of the room, that life's prana within the room, within the space itself. But in context of all this cultivating sattva and my desire to create a consistent sattvic practice, I have to say I was quite disappointed when I was sick that be being able to hold and be with sattva was very difficult for me. Uh, I let my mind race because I wasn't working and, you know, um, just the identification of work, I realized how important it was and then having to really let it go so that I could get better. And when I did that, I did get better. So it was like the last three days, I really felt that I was getting better. 
it's this time of year. So we're in April now, towards the end of April. It's a really good time in Ireland, at least, for spring cleaning of body and mind. And just to know that the tools of Ayurveda are absolutely perfect for the simple tasks and reminders, simple joys of spring cleaning your body and your mind. But if you need inspiration, just go back to the early podcasts of 2021 on digesting your life and see if you find some sort of things that might pique your interest. Food is healing and how we eat is healing, but food is not the only thing that gives us nourishment. So when I was talking about nourishment earlier, I still mean things that I listen to, things that I see, things that I think most especially, things that I do, things that I care about. These are all nourishment to us. And so just as much as food is healing, all things that we nourish ourselves with or overuse are a great way to flip our personality mind 360 degrees and go on and eat the whole chocolate cake all in one go without anyone else, which I nearly did on my birthday. So it was an amazing cake. That's the hard part about food, isn't it? It's, it's hard to kind of let go of the personality thoughts we have about it mainly because it reinforces our personality mind of needing more of something, of filling a void. And that's often what we do with the senses, we fill a void. And when we overuse the senses, so one of the other things I'm bringing into my life, which I had done for a little while and really gave up, but um, going to bed and reading um, something more Ayurvedic, something more meditative, something that soothes my nervous system rather than, as I had done for a few months now, scrolling or watching um, lovely comedies. There's nothing wrong with that either, but just for me now, I do want to try and, and clear that out of my lifestyle if possible, but I'll let you know how it goes. Not that you really need to know, but anyway, I will keep you updated. One of the things that comes with food and nourishment also is that sneaky part of us that easily comes in is the scarcity consciousness, which is actually the antithesis of unity consciousness. And for most of us in this life, we are aware of unity consciousness in some way. Most of us really want to have it in, in our life, and we know it's a great I idea but also, and conversely, in this world right now, there are others who are in complete survival mode. And that, again, is a completely different story, and it has nothing remotely to do with scarcity consciousness. Because it is those who have enough that have the privilege of moving towards unity consciousness. And to not get lost in the melee of overdoing, being more or feeling blah, feeling not enough, or really pushing to make more of ourselves. All of these things, really, they press down our natural rhythm. And our natural rhythm is begging to be listened to. It's begging to be heard. The, you know when you're in your natural rhythm when things just flow, and that you're, you, tr you work towards not hanging on to oh, I wish that this had happened, and it becomes such a burden if it doesn't. So in our natural rhythm, our true self knows in the space at the end of any exhale, we are safe. 
and we are more than enough. We are as good and as beautiful as everyone else. Your soul is as glorious as mine, and my soul is as high and full as yours. And when we meet sattva, and it comes very often, but we often don't see it, then we find our natural rhythm. And as we find sattva and our natural rhythm, we begin to cultivate sattva more, so it appears more and more in our life. This rhythm gives us the best chance to understand, to feel, and to know that in this silent space, after each and every exhale, here we are all. We do not need for anything but to sit and be with the space of openness known as bliss known as the creative capsule known as sattva thank you for joining me in this kind of Random spielen, I mean, that's what the spiels are about, just thoughts thrown out, and uh, hopefully you got something from it. At least you learned a little bit about the moon. Most of you probably know about it anyway, but I find it so interesting. All of life is so very connected. I wish you all great health and wellness, and thank you for listening. Go ahead and click follow or subscribe. really helps this podcast to stay up and running. If you rate it, it's just such a big favor. And thank you for any comments. Make sure and follow me on my Instagrams. There, All the information is in the show notes. And I will talk to you soon. I'm not sure when I'll be on again, but there will be information coming soon. Mind yourselves and may we all go gently. 